Hey everybody, it's the Table Church Podcast. You may have noticed that I am not Pastor Phil or Pastor Megan. My name's Mara Weatherford. You may have heard me on a really excellent episode of Nerd Zone recently where we talked about knitting, uh, which was so cool. And I'm joined by my co-host. Go ahead, co-host. Am I the co-host? Yeah. I'm Taylor. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Taylor. Taylor. I'm going to um, turn you down a little bit. Okay, sorry. I tend to get shouty when I'm confident. I know, now I'm I don't sorry. know which one you are. I'll be less confident. We're just going to roll I with it. I think I'm number three. I'm in two. Okay. I think. Yep. That's better. Okay. All right. We're so, off to a good start, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Um, so much experience in the room. Just kidding. I'm the one with no experience. So um, you are listening to a very special episode of Nerd Zone, hence why you're not listening to Pastor Phil or Pastor Megan. Um, if you're part of the Table Church family, you have learned that there's a lot of nerdery in our congregation, <laughs> but what you may or may not realize is that there's also a lot of nerdery behind the pulpit at Table Church. They, so, I think they already knew that, though. Oh, well. <laughs> you, you go to Even a few more. sermons and Phil pulls out some data that's like, he, he was ready it's for that. True. <laughs> it's true. We knew he's a nerd. But now we're going to learn about, we're going to delve into the depths of some of Phil's non-theological hobbies. So we're being joined by our very special guest, Reverend <laughs> Philip Wiseman. Hello. Yay. <laughs> we need a little clapping track. Do, do, is there anyone who calls you Philip? Um, not even my mom does that. So yeah. Mar is Mara the first? Yeah. You might be the I only one. Congratulations. Honored. Thank you. Calls me Philip. This is, I do. But I tend to call people by the long version of their name. We a lot. can roll with that. Okay. That's fine. I don't know why. So it's not, so I don't mean it in a negative way. Philip, we know, is a super geek about jazz. Mm hmm. Um, actually a very talented trumpet player. Um, so tell us, I think we should start just what got you into trumpet in the first place. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks guys for uh, doing this, turning the table, so to speak. Uh, what did you call it? Nerd zone it's takeover? A nerd zone takeover. Yeah. So now I get to be on the um, other other side of the experience, I guess. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're, we're talking about jazz today um, because... I mean, my other area of nerdery would probably be like theology, but y'all already know that. And there's, you get plenty of that if you <laughs> listen to the podcast. So why would we do that? So jazz has been a passion of mine for some time. Um, I started playing trumpet in sixth grade, you know, just like kids do, right? When they mm -hmm. go to band and middle school and stuff. Um, I'd already played the piano for a while, but um, it really, I really got into it. Sorry. Oh, my district superintendent is calling me. Well, Sorry, Tim. Boss. Is my Bye, boss. Tim. Sorry. So I started playing trumpet in sixth grade. Um, really just took to it a lot. In fact, um, ended up taking private lessons, you know. Uh, the, the band director, like at the high school, like kind of took me under his wing as a young middle schooler because I was this mm -hmm. up-and-coming trumpet oh, that's player. that's cool. That's awesome. And um, so I was getting like free private lessons from him, and he was a really good, really good musician, really good trumpet player. He was the lead trumpet player in the jazz band at Iowa when he was in college. And, wow. Um, so I don't know, I just fell in love with it. And uh, as I got into high school, got into jazz band and stuff like that, ended up going to, so here, here's a little known fact. Um, I actually went to University of Iowa my first year of college, first semester that is, as a freshman. And uh, my major was trumpet performance. And uh, I had all the, I had my sights set on becoming just a, a professional trumpet player someday. Mm -hmm. Whether it be jazz or classical, I don't know, you know, maybe moving to a big city and trying to be in an, symphony or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually had a full tuition scholarship for trumpet at wow. the University of Iowa. They, they, give, they give one 
away, like every studio, meaning every instrument in the music department. So the tubas, the clarinets, the flutes, the trumpets. Um, they give one of those scholarships, or at least back then they did. And, and I was, you were the guy. I won it, yeah, for, that, for my incoming class. So that was a pretty big honor. And um, I should back up a little bit to high school. Uh, my junior year, okay, in Iowa, we have this thing called Allstate, mm-hmm. all right? And it's tricky because different states do Allstate differently. I lived in South Dakota for a while, and Allstate's different. Like, it's not nearly as competitive, okay? So, like, just about everybody is in Allstate <laughs> in South Dakota. But in Iowa, um, the state's divided into six sections, or at least it was then, you know. And you go on the tryout day somewhere within your region, and uh, you compete against all the other people auditioning for Allstate. And at least in the trumpet world, my region usually had around 70 or 80 trumpet players auditioning for Allstate. Wow. They only accept six, okay? Man. Uh, and I didn't make it my freshman year, but I made it my sophomore, junior, and my senior year. Wow. And actually my junior year, I, I got the top position for our region. And then you go and you compete against, and each region, you know, has six of their own or whatever. So you go and you compete against the others that made it from their regions. And my junior year, I beat all of them and got first chair in, Dude, in the wow. Iowa band. So when so, you say like you were an up and coming trumpet player, like you're not just being hyperbolic. That's like you really were like on a trajectory yeah, to like, greatness. I, I don't know about greatness, <laughs> you know. I think I think there's a good chance I could have made my living doing it. I'll just yeah. put Amazing, it that way. Though. You know, I mean that's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I don't think I that wouldn't have been a household name or anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> well I wasn't gonna have I mean, like a I don't recording know of deal. any trumpet players except for Philip Wiseman. So. <laughs> Philip Wiseman. Miles Davis, you ever heard of Miles Davis? Oh yeah, I we'll, get Miles we'll, Davis get, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that's a little bit of my history on music. And um, so my first my first night of college, I broke my arm. I was, there I was, full tuition scholarship to Iowa. Broke my arm. I've got the scars here, you know, oh, from man. that surgery, and um, and I couldn't couldn't play. Uh, so I spent you know two months or whatever wow. buzzing in my mouthpiece. That's devastating. Yeah, and um, in that time, though, God spoke to me so clearly about what I was doing with my life, with my gifts, with, mm. yeah, like just in terms of trying to be selfish with what God has given me and stuff like that. Long story short, I ended up transferring to another school, Indiana Wesleyan, where I could study for like ministry, I ended mm. up doing a degree in church music and was a worship wow. pastor for 13 years. And, um, you know, and that one thing led to another, went to seminary, now I'm a lead pastor, but mm-hmm. far from music, far from trumpet, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's funny the the road that life takes you on sometimes. But there was a time in my life where I was, this was it, you wow. know, music, trumpet, jazz, all that stuff. So you you were you were going to be a professional musician, and then an injury, yeah, ended that. And the you, Lord you, usually broke that's your arm. like you know the the up and coming <laughs> track star who who pulls his hamstring. Yeah, not yeah. a trumpet, but it, <laughs> trumpet it was the trumpet. Guy. That's cool. I try wow. to compare. I, I I put it like this, like, you know, some high level recruit gets recruited to Iowa football. And then they like, you know, break their leg mm-hmm. their first semester yeah. and you never hear about them and they're gone forever. Yeah. That, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so. rough. Like Willis McGahee in the pros. See, I don't do sports. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to make a sports Wrong nerd type of nerd <laughs> here. Someone is sportsing on Sorry. Nerd Zone. Sorry. <laughs> Take your sports and you keep it for another episode. <laughs> okay. So. Actually, so. we could talk Hawkeyes sometime. That'd be a cool. I will <laughs> go ahead and just sip lemonade while you guys do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> so so Phil is a very talented trumpet player. Did did the love of jazz come with playing trumpet and like becoming familiar with that music or did that come before? Oh, it came with it. Yeah. Once once I realized for me it's like if I really have a little bit of you know, talent at something, then I get super into it. Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, mentors and people in my life affirmed me like said that hey you've got something here you yeah. could do this um and so then i'm like oh cool it makes you feel good and yeah mm-hmm. you know just the, that's the power of affirming people you know we should be liberal with our compliments perhaps because it can change your life and it certainly did for me i had some incredible uh, music teachers mm-hmm. uh my life in my life and um, they pushed me and they challenged me and they encouraged me and um you know i'm not doing anything with that stuff anymore but uh, it nonetheless put me on the tra- trajectory that ended me up where I am. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and, and cool. yeah, and I can't say I'm an incredible trumpet player. I think I once was a good trumpet player. That's how I put it. I was once a good trumpet player well, with the, get first chair with the potential to be so. a great yeah. trumpet, yeah. you know, that's awesome. So I did make you play trumpet one time for church. Yeah. And it was a little rough. I don't think you really liked it. If you don't <laughs> use it, you lose it. That's how it is with, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like you can't just pick it up, dust it off and sound good. Like you got to, yeah. It takes, yeah. it takes work. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So I know almost nothing about jazz. So Kay. I would love if you, can you like walk us through like, why is jazz, why jazz? Why is yeah. that other than that it has trumpets? Which, I'll make a couple arguments here on kay. this, in this episode. Number one, I'm going to make an argument that um, Americans need to recover jazz. Okay. Americans need to recover jazz. Okay. We'll make another argument. We'll see if we get around to it. I think I can make kind of a, this is kind of a silly one. I'm not real serious about it, but I think I could argue that jazz is like the superior form of music. <laughs> okay. Bring it um, on. I'm anyway, ready. so the first one, why do Americans need to recover jazz? Because it's, it's our art form. Like it is our yeah. contribution to the, the world stage of music. Mm. Um, so how did it start? I mean, you've got the slaves in the cotton fields, you know, mm-hmm. and they kind of develop this, this art form of kind of call and response, almost chants, you know, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. field calls, um, that became kind of the early, early prototypical blues sounds, right. Mm-hmm. And improvisation kind of going on in there a little bit as well. Well, once that gets kind of, that sound kind of gets merged, like they get their hands on some European instruments, mm-hmm. right. And, and, early jazz and blues starts to take sh- take shape in, in New Orleans, right? Um, and so there you just kind of have a reflection of the, I mean, the questionable history, right, yeah. of our mm-hmm. nation's origin and relationship with, uh, you know, the white and black people of our country. And so, but like, it's, but that, that's fused into the history of jazz. Like it came together, the, the, the African sounds with European instruments is what gave mm. birth to, you know, this art form. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so kind of encased in the history of jazz is the history of our nation. And not only wow. in that way, like when you kind of delineate the history of the music through the century, through the 1900s, um, it adapts and adjusts with the major things that are happening in the, in the world. Okay. Mm. Um, so, you know, the roaring twenties, of course, like that's a party time, but yeah. then, mm-hmm. um, you know, when the depression hits that affects jazz. Well, also, you know, fast forwarding, the, you have the big band swing era kind of thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when world war 
two hits, I mean, nobody's going and listening to no, no one's going to jazz anymore. You know, you're not listening as much anymore. And, you know, you can't afford to have a big band anymore. Mm. Um, and so that's when kind of the bebop, the the small jazz combo era mm. is born. Um, and it comes almost out of an economic necessity. Yeah. Wow. But also people just aren't dancing as much during the, you know, when, I don't know, the nation just gets a little bit more, uh, less optimistic maybe, yeah. right? Like we went through some stuff and people just aren't dancing as much yeah, anymore. We got and sad, so we stopped dancing. Yeah, so at some point, <laughs> at some point jazz becomes less of a, um, like a dance music and more of a performance music, uh-huh. you know? Hmm. And, um, you know, that sets us on a trajectory today for where jazz has now become rather avant-garde. A lot of contemporary modern yep. jazz is rather avant-garde and mm-hmm. experimental almost, you know? Um, but. So when I say what Americans need to recover jazz, it's like, it's our history. It's our um, unique kind of contribution to the world of music. Mm. Um, and it's very popular in Europe. It's very popular in places like Japan. Um, mm. But Americans just don't care about it. And it's ours, you know? Yeah. So I think that's sad. I think we need to we need to get back to jazz. And it doesn't mean like, yeah, I got to listen to all the kind of the weird wonky stuff that's coming out today. And, and although there is a lot of really good stuff too. Um, you know, listen to Duke Ellington. Like who... Who wouldn't like that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, stuff like that. So he's he's America's most prolific composer. Like he composed over 2,000, you know, arrangements of oh things. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, people, people were wondering, like, who's the American Mozart? Who's the American Beethoven or Bach? Um, and what they don't realize is that we have uh, the American Mozart, but it's this black kid in the Bronx, you <laughs> know? Wow. Yeah. It's it who's with a saxophone. You know, like we have our musical geniuses who can run with anybody. Yeah. It's just not who you expect in a place you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Right. That's really powerful. So, That's cool. Yeah. We, we need to, we need to bring it back. So if someone hears you right now and they're like, okay, I, I got to get into jazz. That's so mm-hmm. compelling. What's like the easiest entry into jazz for someone who's like brand new to it? Mm-hmm. What should they be looking for? And how do they listen to it differently than like a pop song on the radio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it takes more patience, you know. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not just doing it for the hooks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So let's see here. Where to start if you want to listen to jazz? Obviously, it kind of depends on your tastes. But I just mentioned Duke Ellington. I mean... I don't know why anybody would hate that. Like, it's yeah. just, this is good, you know? This is good. Count Basie, Benny Goodman, uh, kind of the big band swing, the mm-hmm. era stuff mm-hmm. is pretty, everyone likes that. And I mean, you know, Frank Sinatra, whether or not he's actually jazz, you know, people maybe have a discussion about that, a little bit more mainstream pop kind of jazz, but that's fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what I love is kind of the bebop era. So um, my my favorite uh, jazz musician or trumpet trumpeter, and no surprise, I mostly listen to trumpet players, is Clifford Brown. And um, I should have pulled up his the dates that he lived exactly. But he only lived to be like 24, 25. He died mm, tragically wow. in a car crash. Um, but he had already by that time a, a, just a huge, prolific, um, you know, set of recordings. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of Clifford Brown you can find. Had he lived, he may have... I don't know. He may have been the greatest. I don't, wow. It's hard to say. Like he was incredible. And the other reason I like Clifford Brown is because he wasn't, he was just a good guy from, mm. from what we understand. He wasn't into the drugs and all that stuff. He was just a good guy. And uh, his playing to me is just incredible. Just incredible. His tone, speed, articulation, the lines, the complexity that he does, the creativity of it. 
is amazing. Um, wow. So there's that. But then, I mean, kind of the king in my mind would be Miles Davis. Um, yep. In fact, his, I think, 1957 or something release, Kind of Blue, is the name of the uh, name of the album. I actually have an original release hanging on my my wall oh, in my office. I can see wow. it from here. Um, the record. Cool. So that's the most, this is the best-selling jazz record of all time. Okay. Mm. And uh, so Kind of Blue by Miles Davis, you can't go wrong. I mean, it's, it's the best-selling. It's one of the most influential ever. Um, when you listen to it, like, you're not going to be wowed by the technique. He, he's not playing, like, fast, right? Mm-hmm. Miles Davis can play fast. And there's a lot of older Miles Davis. You go back mm-hmm. and you listen to him, he's like, this dude can play, right? Mm-hmm. But what's so incredible about some of the stuff that happens on Kind of Blue is the way that they push and they pull with the time. Mm-hmm. And so if you try to mimic his solo on kind of blue you'll find it much harder than you think it doesn't sound hard at all it's like bleep 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 you know it doesn't sound hard yeah but when you try to play it and like match his stylings hmm. and like just exactly where he places the note in relation to the beat and stuff like that, he's just a, he's, he's I mean, just brilliant with, with the, the time and the way That's he kind of so turns cool. it around, the way he lays it back and all that stuff. The other thing is, is the way the band is kind of interacting with one another, which is another thing about jazz that maybe I'll save that for when I try to make the argument that it's the superior form of music, <laughs> but um, it's, it's cool. Yeah. That's it's amazing. Cool. Yeah. I, I feel like, when I like, if you start digging into who some of the greatest musicians of like each instrument are, mm-hmm. so many of them do come back to jazz. You know, mm-hmm. as a drummer, I go back to Buddy Rich mm-hmm. as like one of the greatest drummers of all time. And you've got yeah. Gene Krupa and you've got all these guys who were just masters and they were jazz guys. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is, is that just that like those guys tend to rise to the top or it just takes a little extra something to do jazz? So when you, sometimes you'll see online a video of like a, you know, a uh, four-year-old drummer who's amazing or, mm-hmm. you know, an eight-year-old violinist or piano player or something like that, like a virtuoso or a phenom. Um, you, they're almost always rock and roll or classical. Yeah. Um, because I don't think jazz lends itself to the 10-year-old child phenom as much because it's such a language that must be internalized. Like, uh, it's it's not just technique, you know, it's it's articulation, it's style, it's all this stuff. Um, and so it, I'm not saying that there aren't any like 12 year old jazz phenoms out there, but I mean, I can't think of a, I can think of some blues guitarists that like, like, um, Oh, what's his name? I'm not going to remember it now, but you know, he got like a deal and he was 14 and he's still big. Mm. Um, but like straight jazz, you just don't see it mm. very much. There's, there's not any 15 year old, jazz recording artists that are making it happen you know Hmm. because the only criteria for making it in jazz is i shouldn't say the only that's definitely not true (laughs) but you gotta be good you know there's there's you can't make it in jazz if you're not you can make it in you know pop or whatever and not necessarily be incredibly talented uh but although that probably happens a lot less than people think but Mm -hmm. um it's a totally different art form with pop i mean working on the pop radio side of things it's you may not have mind-blowing instrumentation but you've got songwriters and producers that are working together as a team Mm -hmm. and so that's interesting thinking of jazz as being like 
you're going to figure out just how good a musician is here. Yeah, there's a little more purity to it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, and it sounds like the kind of music where, which I think this also kind of sets it apart from, from some of those other genres you mentioned, where you are, are, you have to, you can't just like copy it. You have to be able to really internalize mm -hmm. and kind of have an intuitive sense of, yeah. in order to push and pull with the timing, like that takes mm -hmm. a lot of like kind of internal... I don't know. I don't know how to describe it very well. You can't but be like, taught, you know. It's yeah. something that you have to kind of just have in you. Mm -hmm. And so then you have to not only have the skill with your instrument to be able to pull that off, but also kind of that improvisational right. like sense inside of you that's yeah. really like not everybody has that. Yeah, there's a wisdom to required in, mm. in being a good jazz musician to, you know, it's one thing to be able to play this riff, really hard riff. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to know when to play that note. Yeah. And, you know exactly where it should be placed and stuff like that, which the jazz musician has to know and has to be able cool. to feel. So, yeah. Um, so I think I could make that, that argument perhaps that it's just a little harder to have this kind of child phenom in the jazz world than it maybe is in some other forms. Um, could be wrong, but yeah. <laughs> that's just what I've observed. I, could, I, I like that. see what you're saying. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So a question that I have, um, and this maybe goes into your next case point okay. about jazz being superior is what like it seems to me as a non as a jazz outsider that jazz is either like somebody either loves jazz and they're like really into it or they're like jazz becomes like kind of the butt of the joke to people. Right. And so like, what is, what is that about? Why is it such like, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you have other genres where people act like they hate country, but they don't yeah. really hate all country. Like nobody mm -hmm. does yeah. like, you know, you probably like Johnny Cash or something. Like mm -hmm. it's not like truly all of it, but with sure. jazz, it seems like people tend to like, if they have anything to say about jazz at all, they're like on opposite sides yeah. of the spectrum. And I'm very curious yeah, to know what question. you think about that. Um, well, I mean, part of it comes from just not quite understanding what's going on yeah. but even that that you would have to understand something is also a thing that people don't like understandably mm -hmm. like they, they, it's mm -hmm. kind of this esoteric knowledge or something that and if you're not inside then you don't get mm -hmm. it and you can't listen to it and can't enjoy it which is why i'm like no there's a lot more jazz than just the stuff that's almost become i, I feel like j some contemporary jazz almost become too sciencey like oh, sure. like i don't know mm -hmm. and um we need to bring it back to the people you know yeah. and yeah. there's a lot of big movement for that too mm -hmm. um so Part of it might be that, um, not understanding it. Um, there's a phrase that you hear a lot, like close enough for jazz. And usually what that statement means is like, it's not perfect, but yep. it's good enough, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, boy, any good jazz musician realizes how wrong that statement is. Like jazz musicians are some of the most precise sometimes mm. people. But you listen to that kind of blue record that I just mentioned, and you'll hear Miles Davis like chip notes and stuff. Like he goofs notes and... Um, I don't, I don't quite know exactly what's going on there. Uh, like if you really did just screw up or if it's like actually kind of part of a stylistic approach, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I'm not even kidding. People would, would try to screw up like Miles Davis. Like he was wow. so revered. People would be like, Oh, that was sweet. Like I don't try it. And so yeah. you got trumpet players trying to chip notes just like he did and That's stuff. Amazing. Um, so I don't know. And I, I think I've wandered from your question a little bit, but yeah, it, it takes it takes a little patience and effort, you know, to, um, to kind of penetrate sometimes. It doesn't have to though. Like, I think there's plenty of jazz that you can just start listening to. I think, I think Louis Armstrong's really fun to listen to, you know? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and some of that really old early stuff. Uh, so d just find the thing that's right that, that you like. And a lot of times when you grow in your appreciation for one kind of genre of jazz grows, you start to get into other stuff too. You know. Yeah. And I think that's like, I think sometimes the impression is like, okay, if I'm going to listen to jazz, I'm going to get into something that's like super atonal, all mm -hmm. instrumental, you know, mm -hmm. very difficult to understand where there's, there's a lot of stuff that's like very popular. And like, I, I didn't even think of, you mentioned like Louis Armstrong. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my goodness. Yeah. Everybody loves It's a Wonderful World. Right. Yeah. Um, or Ella Fitzgerald, you yeah. know. Oh yeah. yeah. Or Billie Holiday, like mm -hmm. so much good stuff out there. Um, so probably like similar to how I mentioned about like country music. You mm -hmm. probably like jazz more than you think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You just maybe aren't, you don't know that you're listening to jazz right. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a famous jazz artist that yeah. you listen to. You just don't know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ignorance right. is the answer, right? Like, that's what we're saying. Probably is, is people If you hate don't it. like jazz, you're ignorant. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you're stupid. The, this is what I'm... opinion of Table Church. Come visit Sunday morning at the Playhouse. That's, that's my next argument. Yeah. Everyone is welcome. Mm -hmm. All are welcome. Mm -hmm. There's room. There's room, <laughs> but we will show you why you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I I'm a fundamentalist ass. when it comes to jazz. Like I did, <laughs> it's all black and white. <laughs> oh <No>. boy. <laughs> okay, so um, trying to think, if there's anything else I should say about why Americans should listen to jazz. I mean, like Billie Holiday's song "Strange Fruit," mm -hmm. that has. Um, some people have written about it lately. I think, I can't remember who, just Demar Tisby maybe um, mm. in his one of his books. But um, it's like this song that she would sing whenever she was, I can't remember, in you know, 40s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, and it's like this, it's called Strange Fruit. And it's a song about how like these trees in the South, they got strange fruit hanging from them. And she's talking about black bodies being lynched. Wow. Oh my goodness. And, and she would um, sing it like at the end of her show. Oh, man. You know, it's just the most subversive thing ever. Right. So, I mean, there's just so That's much incredible. stuff like that yeah. going on. And we just, we need it. Like, we need yeah. to yeah. we need to maintain that and remember it. Yeah. Right. I, I do think there's something to be said for, like, we have so few native art forms in America yes. that it's it's a shame that this is one that's kind of like, ah. Yeah. yeah it's kind of fallen by the wayside yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we've got plenty other, like, country music. It would yeah, be an country. American one. But, um I don't know, like, as far as the, like, as a contribution, like, what are they going to read about in music history textbooks in the future, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, it, it'll be, I hope, a lot of this, a lot of jazz, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, so. That's amazing. Yeah. Love it. Anyway, what, so why is it the superior form of music? What would I say? Uh, okay, so whatever it is that makes music good, and obviously we're in very subjective territory mm -hmm. here, but whatever, what, what, well, first of all, we start with the question, what is music? Um, and there's all these kind of characteristics, right? You got melody, harmony, time, articulation, tone, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I would argue that a jazz musician has to master all of them to an extent that not every genre does. Mm -hmm. okay? okay. A metal musician, um, you know, needs technique. And tone. I mean, they're all important for all music, all kinds of music, right? Mm -hmm. But like metal or classical or whatever, particularly like with creativity, right? Like mm -hmm. that, the, to be able to create something in the moment, um, that's something that's kind of unique yeah. to 
from a lot of other kinds of music that jazz has, as well as everything else, you know, mm-hmm. the, the technique and the tone and the time and the rhythm and the harmony and all that stuff. And even the harmonies are a lot, a lot of times just even more complex. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, anyway, I could probably go on about that, but I, I care, I'm very careful with it because number one, it might be a really stupid thing to say. <laughs> um, a really like, make a lot of metal heads really like a really naive thing to say perhaps. <laughs> uh, but, but, and number two, um, I also don't like arguments over what music's better because I think all music has its virtuosos, you know, sure. like, yeah. like rap has its virtuosos that are just mm-hmm. phenom yeah. geniuses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, rap and hip hop country. I mean, holy, here's what, here's why I think everyone should listen to country. You ready? you ready? Because country is like the only art music form out there that is like uh, preserving the American art of the guitar solo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. There's actually. not a whole lot of other guitar solos. Yeah, I like jazz yeah. or blues as well. But um, but like country is keeping it keeping it alive. You know, like mm-hmm. we're not you don't hear guitar solos on the radio anymore. No. Yeah, it's all uh, very electronic. Now. Yeah, you don't even have to play an instrument now. To right. Be, yeah. Which you know that's fine. More power to you. That's if you're making it's, a living which, doing that. Which I is again you. like that's a totally different but, art form. Right. It is. If, it if is. you're it's like an, a David Guetta pop producer, it's yes. it's about creating the right sounds with your computer. Absolutely. Which, which is, is not a totally. It's a not simple thing. Yeah. To do. It's not as right. easy as it sounds. It's not just pushing a button. Yeah. No. But it is not the same as you know. Yeah. Playing an instrument. Yeah. To that degree of skill that one, you can improvise. And, yeah, one of the things that I'm always impressed by a lot of the computer-generated stuff is just the sounds they can make. You know, mm-hmm. like it's pretty wild. How much time is spent getting the perfect sound yeah. for something? Um, so, I mean, they, like I said, they all have the things about them. People kind of get down on Christian worship music a lot, but I'm like, no, like, you know, Hillsong again, like they create these sounds. They create. There's there's nothing technically difficult about their music right. but the way they orchestrate it the, the the dynamics involved in it yeah um the way that it just kind of hits with the lyrics the right time the right way yeah there's a lot of really amazing stuff going on there it's I, yeah I think. I think worship music is an art form of dynamics mm-hmm. absolutely of when, when do you build when you pull back 100 um yeah. and it's in a way that like you don't hear in like other music a lot right. of the time like that's a unique yeah. thing about worship music it's is designed that ability to be congregational to, like, you know bring it down and then bring you back up yeah. right along with it if there's something mm-hmm. i mean there's a reason that that's really powerful and that you know mm-hmm. moves people yeah. yeah so all that to say i'm not like slamming on any particular form of music i'm just trying to say look like jazz has it all you know yeah. Yeah. it's it's got so much to offer and uh, and i wish that yeah i wish that more people would would appreciate that so well i'm gonna go i'm gonna okay. listen to some jazz I, I gotta go listen to kind of blue yeah, that's gonna be mm-hmm. that's gonna be my listen tonight. <laughs> nice. I make my kids listen to it too. Yeah, I mean, I haven't talked about many artists yet. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I would recommend. Yeah. Um, I mean, just for its kind of historical value, kind of blue, of course, is important. Um, huh. Um, another one of my favorites would be Dizzy Gillespie. He's a trumpet player. Okay. The guy's yeah. the guy's crazy. He he ran for president. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, he's got just a lot of really fun sounds. Yeah, he does. So, um, is there? Do you think you could run through and say, like, for each instrument, if you're interested in this instrument, this is who you should listen to? Uh, I don't know about every instrument, but um, sure. Let me think. Um, for saxophone, you know, John Coltrane mm-hmm. and Charlie mm-hmm. Parker, uh, Cannonball Adderley, 
Um, here, the cool thing about like Kind of Blue is you get some of the big names. Like I think John Coltrane's on that album, and okay. Cannonball Adderley is on that album. Oh, cool. And uh, Bill Evans is on that album. So, um, and that's another. It's pretty cool. Like these guys all just like made music together, and so yeah, that's awesome. Like it might be this guy's album, but like Miles Davis is on it. You yeah. know, um, which I just like, love. Kind of like how rap is yeah right yeah like you, you bring in the features featuring yeah all of my friends who are also really good rappers mm-hmm. and it's like that but for jazz yeah yeah that's legit so for if you're a drummer i mean you've already mentioned them gene krupa and uh who's the other guy you mentioned? buddy rich buddy rich yeah love buddy rich it's like the fastest hands in the goodness gracious world um hmm big band stuff definitely duke ellington um and uh, Count Basie would be probably my two top suggestions, um, but also the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, which would like be a modern thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should talk about this too. So Wynton Marsalis is a trumpet player and just a phenomenal trumpet player, um, and he leads jazz at Lincoln Center. Uh, so the the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra is doing a lot of really cool. I mean, they record albums that are like they're good to listen to. We'll just say, nice. you know, yeah. it's like, they're trying to bring jazz back yeah. That's awesome. uh, to, to the masses, I guess. Um, there's a guy that plays trumpet in the Lincoln center jazz orchestra named Ryan Kaiser. And he's an Iowan. He's from Sioux city. Oh, okay. and uh, he is, I think it, people may make the case. He's like the best trumpet player alive. Like he's incredible. Wow. He's incredible. Um, like any trumpet player, jazz is like oh, Ryan Kaiser. Interesting. So now cool. I've been like out of the game for a decade or more, so like I don't really know what's <laughs> going on anymore. But um, Ryan Kaiser is incredible. Okay. But he's hard. It's hard to find. He doesn't have like a lot of solo albums out yeah. and stuff. Um, he's got some stuff, uh, but yeah, he's from Iowa. I remember my um, my high school jazz band director was the director of the Iowa All State Jazz Band one year. And it was the year that Ryan Kaiser was a freshman in high school. Wow. And he said at that time, he was the best jazz trumpet player in Iowa, period. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> As a freshman. Yeah. Like better imagine? than all the, all the trumpet professors yeah. at the universities and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's wild. That's so cool. I just, I don't know. So that kind of refutes my... Uh, argument from earlier about like kids right <laughs> I mean, he's the exception that proves there can the rule be one, that's i mean fine. he was in high school at that point you know he was in like eight or nine but yeah. um and also i don't know how many like perf- like this isn't the hub of phenom jazz yep. musicians <laughs> yeah, <Iowa. laughs> uh what? so Come on. Well, like, <laughs> <corn and> jazz. <laughs> it wouldn't have been true if he was in new york you know what i mean yeah sure, sure and sure. and who knows how much my band director was exaggerating at that point but he just was like you know hey everyone just listen to ryan and do whatever Ryan's doing. Basically, yeah. is how he directed wow. the band. <laughs> like, he was <laughs> just that amazing. good. So, that's kind of neat. Like, there's even, there's some stuff like on uh, on um, Instagram like that, that Wynton Marsalis, were, like, posted of Ryan Kaiser hmm. doing, like, his warm-ups. Wynton Marsalis, by the way, is, like, one of the most famous jazz musicians in the world, if not the most yeah. famous jazz musician in the world right wow. now. Okay. Um, regarded by some as, like, the, the best trumpet player alive. Like, He's amazing. And he's like saying, look at this thing that Ryan Kaiser can do. He's got this video of Ryan Kaiser warming up. It's just nuts what he does. I don't wow. Know. Maybe we can link it or something yeah. on this. But Find it in the show notes. Yeah. It's, okay, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just say that and then trust that <laughs> Phil will put it there. <laughs> I'm not going to make any promises. Find it in the link below. Yeah. <laughs> like and subscribe. Mm-hmm. 
smash that like button. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's YouTube. Smash it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there's there's a lot of good artists out there. Um, trying to think of some others that that I would recommend here. Um, Kenny Dorham's a good trumpet player. Uh, Lee. Oh man, my brain is not working so good. I don't know. It's a, hold on, I can't just leave this now. I gotta Google it. Lee something. He's a trumpet player. We're giving the people lots to Google, and I'm very excited about it. I know. I love Lee Morgan. Things. Lee Morgan. Lee Morgan. Yeah, actually, I, I'd put him up there. Um, his stuff's just kind of catchy. Okay. All of his stuff's just kind of catchy. Look up Lee Morgan, the Sidewinder, that album. Okay. Um, it's good. This awesome. is good. So. I feel like I'm learning so is much. This, I am. Has it been nerdy enough? Oh, absolutely. Oh, this has been nerdy. <laughs> I love it. I'm loving it. No, I, so I've good. always had so much respect for jazz, and I've always wished that I was, I had the time to master like jazz drumming because mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. the improvisational part of it is just incredible. It always just sounds, to me as a drummer, I watch the control that jazz drummers have over the tone on like their snare drums and their cymbals, mm-hmm. and it's. Mm-hmm. You, you don't hear that in a lot of other genres. And you've got a jazz drummer who like takes a solo, right? Mm-hmm. And like they're keeping time on the hat mm-hmm. the whole time. And then like everything else is totally out of time. Oh man. And you're like, what is going on it's, here? But it's so mm-hmm. musical. Yeah. Um, awesome. Like I, you know, growing up in the early 2000s, Travis Barker was like the drummer God. Mm-hmm. But then I would watch his solos next to a Buddy Rich or a Gene Krupa. And there's just something a little bit different. And Travis Barker's like, he's talented. He's very mm-hmm. good. But then you watch that compared to a jazz musician who's like, it's almost music by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's there's something a little extra there. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you, <laughs> you talked about how, you know, you wish you could put more time into becoming a jazz drummer. It's funny how, honestly, I don't listen to that much jazz anymore. Because it kind of makes me sad now. I got to get through this, right? Oh. This is something I got to get through. Like, I'm always like, what could have been, you know? Mm, um, yeah. And so, I, yeah, I, I I don't go to Noche. You know, it's a jazz club in Des Moines. I've never been there. Um, you know, when I first graduated from college, I was actually playing trumpet in the jazz club in the oh, town man. I lived in and stuff and was able to do that. And well, over if any listeners want to babysit our children? And let us go to Noche. Table church field trip to the... <laughs> All go listen to some jazz. <laughs> Happily go, yeah. It just, I don't know. I, Phil will cry and we'll put an arm around his shoulder and tell him it's okay. It's like this thing. It's like this dream that you had, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. You yeah. know that God is calling you something else, so you kind of got to mm-hmm. shoot that one in the head. Like you got to kill that dream. Yep. Yeah, I've had I feel to do like that, that about like as a vocalist, I feel like that a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Because mm-hmm. there was a time in my life where I, before Patrick and I started dating my husband, like I was... I mean, I was young. I was, you know, 2021, 20, mm-hmm. but feeling very like I do not know where my life is going right now. So, like, I'm just going to move somewhere and, like, do music, join a rock band and mm-hmm. sing. And I was, you know, I thought, I, like, I really think at that time, like, I could have done it. Yep. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then I fell in love and had a bunch of babies. So <laughs> <laughs> I did not do that. But it is weird now to be at a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm in my 30s. I'm a mother and a wife and like yeah. that time for that to happen is over and mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm almost, almost 40. Sing at table church. <laughs> You're not almost 40. I'm almost 40 though. I am. You're 31. way far from 40. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'll be 34 next week. Okay. Oh, you're older than her. A baby yeah. the family and I have the most children. Nice. 
It's a weird way to. It's a weird. Place I'm so to be. glad that we all get to make music together, though, at Table Church. I enjoy I, it so for much. Real. I I keep on thinking that I've played with my last church band, and then there keep on being places that need drummers, and I. <laughs> I have enjoyed being with this crew so much. Does the idea, so when you feel like that, is that kind of like, do you feel like relieved? Like, oh good, I don't have to play drums anymore. And no, then it's, like it's kind of sad. Itch. Is it sad? It, it's okay. kind of sad, yeah. Because um, it's just like, I don't, I haven't had a drum set of my own to practice on for for yeah. years. And so it's always been like, if I can get plugged in at a church and play, you know, every so often, I can keep everything honed. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, we moved up here in 2016 and it wasn't until we started coming to table church that I really was playing drums again regularly. So, so I I was like, well, drums are probably over for me now. But, um, but yeah, it's been good to get back into drums are just getting started for you. Oh yeah. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to wring all the drums out of you. We we went for a long time without a drummer. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a moment in time. Kind of depressing. I always, uh, you know, we've been through a couple churches up until now. (laughs) And I, every time like we will leave and then I'll be like, okay, well, you know, I get a little break, like maybe this is good. And I'll feel like really good about that. And then I'll start going, well, you know, we'll find a new church and, and it'll be like, okay, this is nice. Like I can just sit in the congregation Mm. and like sing with the people. And then there's like, I think like, this is going to be fine. I'm going to be so content. And then like a few weeks go by and I'm like, all right, well, uh, I should maybe talk to somebody about if they need somebody up there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. And so I was really grateful also to start coming here and to play with this group because we had, I mean, I've, I've been on like larger worship teams and mm-hmm. I've been on like barely functional worship teams. You know, I've kind of run the gamut and, um, and a lot of churches, like I think, and I think a, a lot of larger churches are moving this direction where it's like, they want to play the song the same way all the time. Yep. And so like, I just don't, I don't have like the range for that. <laughs> like I don't have the <laughs> vocal range that suits, like I'm not singing like Brooke Frazier or whatever her last mm. name is now. Like I can't sing as high as she mm-hmm. does. And, but nobody's going to move that song a step down for me. Like yeah. just so that like the, the week that Mara's on, we have to sing it in a different key. And so I have really enjoyed getting to like mix we'll and match. We'll move the key for with, you, Mara. Yeah. I know, right? Well, we have to move it for, you know, all the other people too. So, you mm. know, we're just all making it work. Yeah, and I yeah. get to do all the things. I love singing backup. I love doing harmonies. Mm-hmm. I get to do that. I, you know, yeah, I get to do all the things. And it's been a, it's been really fun. This is when you talk about the balance of talent on the team, but also like chillness of, of the team. <laughs> we, and not, like, I think we like yeah. have hit a sweet spot. I've, I've been on some on very chill teams where, where team. the people had great hearts and that was about it. And I've been on some <laughs> really talented teams that you just felt like if you missed a note, it was yeah, going to be going down. But this yeah. is just like We've got a good balance. I, I really love this. This high this talent, team. high chill. Yeah, that's how that's, we are. Yeah. That's the brand. I, I think that's true. I'm in this like worship leading Facebook group and it's very goofy the problems that people have so I mm-hmm. stay in it because I enjoy reading about people's <laughs> bizarre like church drama or like they're just utter lack of boundaries because what ends up happening a lot of times is they're like hey like how do you get your people to come to church or to come to practice like none of my people will come to rehearsal and then they oh, show boy. up like Sunday as the service is starting and they are like want to play yeah and it's Oof. like blows my mind. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you can't That's let people tough. do that. Yeah. And it's not like that here at all. I no. feel like people are like, they're very eager to like mm-hmm. part, be a like a 
a fully present part of what's going on and yeah. to really like give their all while also like just being like completely goofy and yeah. I don't know. We have a lot of fun yeah. up there, I think. And I wonder Absolutely. if part of that is Absolutely. Jay and everyone has been really good about making sure that no volunteers are getting burned out. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I, it's really easy These to get on a worship team that's like, you are the guy. You're going to be there every week. Yeah. We need you. And if you yeah. take time off, you feel guilty. And this is really mm -hmm. low pressure. I, I don't play Everybody's every Sunday. been very you sensitive know. about that with yeah. me as yeah. well and i've really appreciated it even though then yeah. i'm like hey you can put me on more mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we'll roll without a drummer we don't yeah. like we'd rather have yeah. taylor long term than yeah. taylor short term and every week know, you know right? what i mean so uh, I, and that's true. that's <laughs> not planning on seriously, it. that has been something that jay has done really well yeah. um so yeah shout out to jay the glue that holds us all together <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm gonna tie this conversation back into our original topic okay, okay. Yes. Um, back to jazz i was listening to a podcast well it was, it was the latest installment of the rise and fall of mars hill oh, they just haven't. came out with a new one this Did week they? <gasps> yeah uh right. with, it's an interview After with I tim keller some jazz i will listen to that yep. <laughs> it's an interview with tim keller but he's talking about like when they were planting oh, redeemer dude. in new york like their morning service was classical and their mm -hmm. evening service is jazz what I'm like, how cool Whoa. is that that's awesome jazz and I worship go to a like as a far as the style worship. of music they play yeah jazz. yeah i'm like Ooh. i need to hear this like what yes. I, so anyway i haven't sat down to surely there's jazz video week. Surely there's video yes, of it somewhere. Oh, man. But he said that they had at <laughs> one point imagine? they had at one point four hundred full time professional musicians coming to their oh my church. Goodness. Wow. <laughs> That's cool. That yeah. sounds intimidating though. Well for me. I don't know how, how does four, that happen? Four chord guitarist. Must be done. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I'm slightly right I'm a slight level yeah. above a four chord you're, guitarist. You're you're a good guitarist, Mara. I'm a medium level guitarist. You know they indulge me. Your uh, your guitar. Sometimes they ask me to finger pick, and I'm like, mm, can't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you your guitar is it's an accompanying instrument, you know, for yeah. your voice. Yeah, that is, no, it literally is. I mm -hmm. learned how to play to the extent that I could accompany myself, mm -hmm. and that was where I stopped. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I've just hung out there, and no, it has been sufficient for what I need. And I feel like what I do know how to do, I do pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't like know. your voice is the feature. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I would rather put do my it energy great. into that than playing guitar. I like playing guitar. I enjoy it. it but, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think now I feel like a little bit like I'm stuck in the mode that I'm in with guitar. So I just like, nah, whatever. I'm, just <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm in, I like, I am in a lane and I can't get out of it on yeah. okay. guitar. Well, your lane is pretty fancy. So uh, <laughs> no, I've been doing that. I've guitarist. been in this lane for a decade. Oh, like, well, all right. <laughs> I hear, I oh, hear, man. I hear what you're saying. Any other questions about jazz? <laughs> I don't know. I trying to think like of anything I, else. My brain is say. full of so much yeah. jazz information now, yeah. and I'm going to go home I've and I'm going to speak Googling. I've asked the ones Googling. that I was really curious about. Okay. Yeah, I think that the jazz divide was kind of the my... That's always been interesting <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I feel like... There's a lot of jazz that I don't want to listen to either, you yeah. know? Sure. So. I mean, yeah, like any genres like that, right? Yeah. You mm -hmm. have your favorites and the ones that you think are meh, whatever. There's a trumpet player that I just recently started listening to named Charlie Porter, and... Um, He's got kind of a cool, his album, <laughs> it starts, every song adds another instrument. So the first song is just him on his trumpet. Oh, that's And sweet. then it adds like a bass. Ooh. Okay. Second track. And then I think it goes to a bass and a drum and a trumpet, you know. Cool. Um, that's kind of clever. Yeah, it's cool. Ch check it out. Charlie Porter. I can't remember which album it is. I think he's got two out. Uh, okay. So do the one that's got Find just a trumpet on the first track. Trumpet. Okay. I'm yeah. very excited. Yeah. So much to Google. Um, and then uh, if, you wanna, if you want to listen, if you want to listen to Ryan Kaiser, um, 
I'm gonna figure out. Shout out the, to Ryan. Yeah, I'm gonna figure out the the album. <laughs> Email us if you're listening, listen Ryan, to. from Sioux City or wherever. Uh, maybe I can't. I don't know. Sorry, I'm not fast. I'm not fast on the Google <laughs> on this thing. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. So, hey, Jay's calling me right now. I wonder who's. Hi, Jay. What's, what's the phrase? Is your Where, your your ears burning? Ears burning. I was gonna say, is your nose burning? <laughs> is your nose burning? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll put that in awesome. the uh, in the show notes as well. If you want to listen to Ryan Kaiser, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a place to start. And amazing. Yeah. This is exciting. Yeah. I love it. Um, okay, so if we're done with jazz, I Shall do we think talk about other things. That do we need to talk about lizards? Oh yeah, oh. I do want to know. Is about that where you were? Oh. Where you going? Did I derail you? Well, I, I, got I, was, it. I got I forgot it. Hold about on. lizards. So I'm glad you said it's that. It's live oh, in New York. Live in New York, the Uptown Quintet. Oh, okay. That's okay. the album. Type you it should into check your it out. Google machine. Live in New York, the Uptown Quintet is a delightful album. Awesome! I'm so excited for all the listening yeah. I'm going to do in the next couple of days. Okay, so I do feel like we need oh, to talk about. Oh, and one lizards. other recommendation: oh, Joy Spring by Clifford Brown is like my favorite jazz standard. Okay, awesome. Joy Spring. I'm very Clifford excited. Brown. We could have Clifford done Brown. a many hour long podcast. Yeah. About so, jazz, now, see, now I pulled up some of my playlists and now everything's like clicking. I'm Can like, you yeah. link your playlist in the show notes below? Maybe. Ooh. Check Maybe. the notes. Check playlist? out the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, you can smash that like button. <laughs> yeah. Subscribe. You could totally if you do haven't that. already. What else do people say? I've just got a playlist called Bop. Nice. Perfect. That would be <laughs> a funny like thing would be to have like all the table church like staff people make a playlist and then we all have to guess whose <laughs> playlist is whose I, I just came up with a really good game nice all right maybe we'll do that someday put all that right. in my back pocket i interrupted you okay well i just think that a little known fact about you that you're also and i know you would argue that you're no longer a nerd about this but mm-hmm. i know that there was a large portion of your life where you were a real nerd about reptiles yeah. and i don't know that like a lot of people know that like late elementary and middle school, yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I know that because, so the very first table church service that my family went to was the last drive-in service mm-hmm. during COVID. So last this parking would have lot been service. like August or September of 2020. And we had all four of our car- our kids like just were able to like stay buckled in the car with the AC on. And so it was like the easiest, like lowest barrier to entry for us, like re-entering church after, yeah. you know, have everything like going bananas. Yeah. And so... I had like emailed and said, Hey, that was really cool how you did those drive-in services. Like, thanks for doing that. Whatever, you know, didn't really think anything of it and got replies back from both you and pastor Megan. Hmm. And you were like, I don't know what you said, but it was basically like, yeah, thanks. Do you want to talk about the church? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Like you were just like ready to do the pastor thing and be like, do you have any questions or you want to talk or anything? And new people are like gold. Well, and especially when you're having church in a parking lot and everybody's cars, like, so it was totally, we were like, point of my ministry life. Absolutely. I'm preaching a bunch of windshields here. So yeah, it was really, I can, that would be, that would be hard, which is part of why I sent an email at all. Is I was like, this is not easy to do. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you for doing it because it made it so my family could go to church. We hadn't been to church in, you know, months and months and months. And so, um, you came to our house, we were supposed to meet somewhere and like our childcare fell through or something. And so you came to our house in the middle of a pandemic and you know, we're all, I think probably feeling a little awkward. We don't know each other. You've never been to our house. You don't really know who we are. And then like, lo and behold, in the corner of our kitchen, you're like, 
oh hey a bearded dragon <laughs> and that was like our first conversation i think yeah was about nancy the bearded dragon yeah, like, may hey, she nice rest in dragon. peace yeah. like <laughs> nice nancy dragon. has passed on to bearded dragon heaven yeah since then but anyway so then i know I how that feels that too you, i know so i know you and i well and i know that story too because i think megan has told that and just like laughed the whole time <laughs> so um but you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yeah so when i was when i was a lad <laughs> When I was a wee lad, um, Baby Phil. I subscribed to Reptiles Magazine. <laughs> so I got a monthly issue oh, from Reptiles very, Magazine. I didn't know there cute. was one of those. Um, Reptiles Magazine had a, a centerfold poster <laughs> in every issue oh, man. of a reptile. Okay. So oh was goodness. your like childhood bedroom just like It tiles. was tiled That's with legit. reptiles. Was, was this a magazine for children or like grown no. up? It was for adults. Enthusiasts. Yeah, it's, it's like okay. for adults. That's really cool. It's just, <laughs> just had pictures of reptiles, and, you know. So yeah, it had <laughs> articles about how to breed toke geckos, and you know, um, hey, there's a new uh, you know reptile uh, conference <laughs> coming. <laughs> or something. There's a con for everything. Conference. We've talked about this on this podcast before. You know, and and like a herpetologist <laughs> is the scientist who studies okay. reptiles. So. Okay. You know, they call them herps. Those are reptiles in the oh, in herps. the in the uh, reptile enthusiast world. Hey, you got some, I got some new herps. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's so nerdy. I, I was um, yeah. There was a season there where I probably you say, hey, hey Phil, what do you want to be someday? I want to be a herpetologist. That's awesome. And so I had all sorts of things. I had a couple of bearded dragons. Had some geckos, um, some turtles, some frogs. You know, had it all. Uh, I had a gecko that got on the house once. This is a good story. Okay, gecko got out. It's out for it's out of, the, out of the cage for like two weeks. Never haven't seen it. They're nocturnal, so you don't like. It's probably out doing its thing at night, but sure. during he's the day asleep. you never see it. He's asleep inside your wall somewhere. Yeah, you could actually see him. Um, and then one evening I look up and I see I see the gecko stuck to the wall up high in the stairwell. Like the stairwell and the ceilings are going up high in there. Mm-hmm. And my dad got a broom. I don't remember how it happened. A bucket. There was a bucket involved. We got a bucket because I think he was going to try to knock it down and then we're going to like trap it under the bucket or something. So the bucket's sitting on the top of the stairwell and my dad gets the broom and he just kind of swats at the gecko and he hits it. The gecko goes flying through the air and it's probably like a 20 foot thing and it lands in the bucket. Whoa, it was man. incredible. It was like a trick shot. <laughs> yes. But it's, a gecko it, it was like, flying yeah. from the wall. Yeah, it was a trick shot. Dude perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. A it was one of those moments. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's and, very funny. And so we got the gecko back. <laughs> Yay. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, sadder story though. Just, um, yeah, tell the sad story. Yeah, my, so I had a bearded dragon and you know, you feed him crickets or mealworms. What or, was its name? Important. Ah, I don't remember. Oh, no. Mm. George? No, I had a gecko named George. I don't remember the bearded dragon's name. Okay, that's okay. So, um, <laughs> you feel them, you know, feed them those kind of things. You go to the pet store, you buy the crickets and stuff like that, or you can feed them some lettuce and stuff. Anyway, I thought one night I'm going to catch some bugs. I go out and I catch some fireflies for my bearded dragon. I toss them in the cage. Cue the, ominous music. The next morning, bearded dragon is stiff as a board, dead. So damn. I'm like, what? So I bury the bearded dragon, you know, you know in my yard. And I'm not even joking. The next month's issue of Reptiles has an article about how you should not feed bearded dragons fireflies. Oh, no. Because they are toxic to bearded dragons. Oh, man. That's And like not all reptiles. 
just specifically bearded dragons. I used to feed my frogs fireflies all yeah. the time, you know? Yeah. And frogs, if you get the right kind of frog, is very entertaining because the firefly, like, it lights up in its belly and you can kind of see inside <laughs> the frog. That does sound entertaining. It's pretty cool because, you know, the skin's kind of translucent yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And so you can kind of see through the frog. It's, That's so You cool. should try it. Catch a frog. Catch a frog. Try to remember what kind of, like, like a bullfrog or something. All right. Okay. Um, bullfrog and a firefly yeah that's a good summer summer evening entertainment right there (laughs) next time we all get together (laughs) that's what we're doing settled yeah so (laughs) i was pretty nerdy about reptiles at one point i wouldn't say so anymore i'm more into dogs now than i am reptiles but i still think it's cool yeah Yeah. living the dog life who's named after a jazz music yeah Thelonious Monk I should have recommended Thelonious Monk missed opportunity man Thelonious Monk (laughs) uh, round about midnight um, that, that, that's my jazz piano recommendation. Okay. Thelonious Monk. And also the name of your dog. Yeah. Theo. So cute. Short for Thelonious. People are like, oh, so like theology? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, my other nerd thing. <laughs> Our cat's named Hawkeye and people ask if it's after Iowa. No. <laughs> no. Is it an Avenger? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's after MASH. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's usually the, the Avengers are the second one people ask. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. My dog's name is Indigo, and people ask, "Why did you name your dog Indigo?" And I say, "It's a beautiful shade of blue." That's all. <laughs> it's it. That's it. There's nothing more to it. <laughs> yeah. Our cat's name is Marvel after Marvel movies, but that was the name she got from the Animal Rescue League, and we gotcha. just kept it because we're like, "Yeah, we like that." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we like our cat. So. Nice. Yeah. Yay, pets. Okay, so. We've covered a lot of ground in this episode. I, know, I like that about it. I think it's perfect. Okay, so I feel like we should do the thing that pastor megan does that is kind of like the pop culture happy hour thing where you have to say like what are you like reading slash watching slash listening to or okay. have you done recently sure. okay so we got all take turns okay okay who wants to start i think taylor should i vote start. for taylor okay, okay. <laughs> go for it <laughs> um let's see reading I've been reading, um, I've started doing like one nonfiction and one fiction. And so my nonfiction is After Doubt by A.J. Swoboda. Um, His little tagline is how to, what is it? How to deconstruct your faith without losing it or something Mm -hmm. like that. And it's just a beautiful book about. um, He's a good writer. Man, he's like, I've literally already queued up his book on the Sabbath once I'm done with this. Really? It's good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. it's yeah, it's just it's tender where it needs to be tender and firm where it needs to be firm. So mm-hmm. like if if you know someone who's struggling with their faith or you are struggling with your faith, I highly highly recommend that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished. Um, I really like scary books, and I read one called Echo. Ironically, same name as our dog, <laughs> um, and it's about this guy who climbs a mountain, and then it's like an evil mountain, and it possesses him. Which sounds dumb, but it's actually like brilliant. Wow. Um, and it's it's like uses the comparisons of because like he gets this like awful injury from the mountain, and so like the the face defiguring and like what that does to his his life and his relationships and stuff. And so it's just like it's about as gripped as I've been by a book in a long time. So that was really cool. What are you watching? What am I watching? Um, we just finished Stranger Things, which. Um, Big, big fan of that. Mm-hmm. That was really good. And then listening to just <laughs> songs for Christian radio. I was going to say, <laughs> that's, I bet I that's know most what it of is. My listening. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, what am I listening to outside of that, though? Um, usually I just go back to Taylor Swift's albums, the um, the two that she did with The National. 
uh, Evermore oh, yeah. and Folklore. Folk, folksy I, ones. I think those are just so good. gorgeous. The the songs like there's two songs that she does with Bony Vare on them that are like I love those. So envious so of that man's falsetto. Do you like for your job? By the way, in case you know Taylor's a DJ for a radio station. Yeah, I I work in radio. (laughs) I do a morning show, and then I also choose the music we play. Okay, so I was going to say, I don't know if that was part of your job or not. Um, Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of the final say on what what goes through. So so. you got to know the scene, the the Christian music scene, pretty well. I'm. Yeah, I'm fairly informed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I also just like Christian music in general. Like I I grew up listening to it and, um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I genuinely enjoy the music on my station, which Mm -hmm. is, yeah, I can confirm that that's true. Like you're Mm -hmm. a real fan of Christian music in a genuine way. You're not just like, it's not just your job. I mean, there are songs that I play that I'm like, I'm not a big fan, but I think our audience will like it. Um, but sure. for the most part, there, there's not really a song that comes on. And I'm like, oh, I'm ready for this one to be done. I really like them all. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, we got to have a CCM episode. Absolutely. It's got to happen. All right. Okay. Mara. Am I next? Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, we also just finished Stranger Things season four. So good. Um, maybe my favorite season. Not sure. But it was excellent. Yep. Really enjoyed that. Reading. I haven't been reading a whole lot lately um i just read a novel called sing unburied sing by what's her name uh jesmyn ward anyway i read that really enjoyed it um and then i i so when i was a kid i was i grew up homeschooled and i had like a pretty advanced reading level for my age and so because everything for older children slash adults which was at my reading level was like inappropriate. I just read like classic fiction all the time. And so I have lately like found myself really wanting to reread these like really advanced books that I read as like a child and a teenager, but that I didn't like, I was not like, I didn't have the intellect then maybe to like absorb it the way that I could now. And so um, I really want to reread Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And I used to read Sherlock Holmes all the time. Like I was, I was like 10 years old and I would read all the like, old old Sherlock Holmes so I'd really like to reread those um but I I, I'm more of like an audiobook person but I find like older books easier to like read the literal visual words with my eyeballs um because the words are hard and my brain sometimes can't keep up with what I need to look up in the dictionary (laughs) (laughs) and so I don't have as much time but I really would like to read those so that's that's my entry listening to um we went to a 4th of July party yesterday and um, they wanted like party song suggestions. And so we had like a dance party at my house <laughs> trying to find like fun, like party jams. Nice. And so it was like anything from like my son is really into Super Mario. So we were listening to, like the Super Mario theme. <laughs> and then my daughter is really into Sonic the Hedgehog. So we were listening to songs from that soundtrack. And then we were listening to like the police and then like, and then it would move to like Jimmy Eat World. Like we were all over the yeah. map. It was really fun. So nice. that was what I listened to. Just some throwbacks. It was a good yeah. time. Okay. If we're going playlist world, I did just build a playlist. I call it beautiful build. And it's just like, slow songs that just add tons of layers over and over nice. so like um over soon by coming back to boney bear um i love boney bear and uh oh there's one by the eels called uh ps you rock my world that's really pretty 
So just those like quiet, beautiful songs that are just get really, really lush. So that's mm. I guess that's I what I've been coming back like to. Is, yeah. What's what's the band that like the instrumental band that they did like all the music for Friday Night Lights? I'm talking about oh, I don't for know. Friday Night Lights. I'm the, out of the loop. The, guys, have you ever, have you ever watched Friday I Night Lights? I haven't seen Friday Night Lights. Wow. I'm like yeah. I don't know why. It's oh, I probably it's, would like it. It's great. I like stuff like that. Band. Um, I'm googling once again. Yeah. Music Friday Night Lights. There's people like, like Vangelis would have would be before that. There was a time in my life. This is not necessarily that related. So I'm probably <laughs> explosions in the sky. Oh, oh there you go. Yeah. They did the music for sweet. Yeah, they, they had some cool stuff. Yeah. I didn't know they did that. That's cool. All right. There so. was a time in my life, this is just slightly adjacent to oh, that, yeah. but where I used to play at this restaurant every like Thursday night for like two hours and it would be like, I'd do some originals and I'd do some covers and whatever. Like people barely paid attention. So it was just really fun and easy. <laughs> and I always would tell people like basically my like genre at that moment was like if it would be in the background of an episode of Grey's Anatomy yes. that's probably music I like yeah <laughs> like weird covers yeah. of Wonderwall like right, just all yeah. kinds of like every sleeping at last cover <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. like all of those that was like my music yeah. and nice. I still really have like an attachment to mm-hmm. weird covers that are like in the backgrounds of sad scenes and yeah. tv shows mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff <laughs> cool <laughs> all right Phil all right, so um, reading right now, I'm trying to work my way through uh, Charles Taylor's book, A Secular Age. It's a really long book, um, so it's, it's going. Uh, there's another <laughs> book I'm reading right now. I've, I'm like 60 or 70 pages into it, but it's really good so far. And any Christian who is trying to figure out what the heck to do with our relationship to politics should mm-hmm. read this book. It's called Political Visions and Illusions by David Coises highly recommend it and he's like a political um i don't know political science professor or something like that Uh, he's he's great um so political visions and illusions uh so i'm kind of reading that as well and then when i when i walk my dog at night i'm listening to a biography of dietrich bonhoeffer by charles marsh and that's been good but it's really long i mean i've been listening to it forever i still got six hours to go Uh, it's like 15 hours long i think but um and with biographies, a lot of times they start off really slow because it's like they were born here yep. and they grew up this way. It's like, <laughs> yeah. But now we're finally getting to like the rise of Hitler and stuff, yeah. and so things are. That's what you're reading. Getting inter- yeah. Yeah. getting interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Karl Barth read his. Uh, the reason I'm reading is because I heard John Tyson recommend it, mm-hmm. but um, and John Tyson pointed this out too. But I remember hearing it in the book as well. Karl Barth read his doctoral thesis, which he completed when he was like 21 years old. And uh, he called it a theological miracle. Wow. <laughs> Bonhoeffer's thesis. Karl Barth called Bonhoeffer's thesis a theological miracle. That's crazy. Like, oh, that's, that's high praise from yeah, the greatest yeah, theologian in the last hundred years. Cool. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah. So, and then listening. Uh, okay. I'm definitely on a Kirk Franklin kick. Like oh, his yes. newest album, Love Theory, is Is it good? Amazing. Oh, man. So, you want a good listen? Look up, uh, look up his Tiny Desk concert. Kirk, Kirk Franklin's Tiny, Tiny Desk concert. concert. I yes. think they just he just did another one with the Maverick with Maverick City. He did a Tiny yeah. Desk. He did a couple songs with them mm-hmm. um, on it, their last. So I'm not story. talking about that one. You got to yeah, find the other it's one. Kirk Franklin himself. Yes, yeah. with his group and his singers and stuff. Oh my That's goodness, amazing. it's the best 15 yeah. minutes you're ever going to endure. Like it's incredible. So he he is from my hometown, and oh, really? he was really? this close to sending his kids to the school that I was going to. Like oh, Kirk Franklin brought his kids besties. on a visit at one. At you one could point. have known Kirk I could Franklin. Have known them. Yeah, man. 
missed connection. So listening, <laughs> yeah, to Kirk Franklin a little bit, but I'm kind of like you, like you're really, you're, my listening is filtered through my children. What, yep. what, yeah. My Spotify uh, wrapped into? at the end of the year. Is so the like sing, absurd. the sing two soundtrack. <laughs> right, you know, yes. we do that one a lot at our house too. Yeah, yeah. which is is good. You know, it's good. There's a lot of really good kids music. There is. Um, there is now. I feel like for sure. I feel yeah. like when I was a kid, I don't remember there. Like I remember most yeah. kids music being very cheesy and like mm-hmm. Sunday schooly. Yeah. No shade to Sunday school, you but you Veggie know. Tales and Kids Bop. I did like Veggie Tales. Still like Veggie Tales. Veggie Tales, is good. But, is, is but like Raffy and stuff. And they <laughs> did the, uh, but then there was also like Salty the Psalm book. That was a thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did Did you do uh, Donut Man? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I think Donut Man was mostly like a little bit before my time. Okay. But again, homeschooled, yeah. like borderline fundamentalist homeschooler. Yeah. So like there was a lot of you know. If If I mention Donut Man, <laughs> I feel like there's a fifty for fifty chance of being like, oh, I remember Donut Man, and like singing back the theme song and. The other fifty is just like dead blank stare. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what you guys are talking about. That's so okay. he was he was like a, <laughs> it's probably for the best. Life without Jesus is like a donut because there's a hole in the middle of your heart. Yeah. And so him and this donut it would like go on. It's like a puppet donut. Was yeah, this a cartoon donut. or what? No, no, it was live action. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's one scene where some kid is drowning, and so he throws his donut into the water. <laughs> I forgot about that. The <laughs> donut becomes oh, a life man. preserver. That's so <laughs> it weird. Saves the kid. <laughs> Amazing. What in the world? I did watch the Buttercream Gang. You guys watch that? I didn't watch that. Like Christian produced movie. Okay. No. Um, well, a little bit after my time was like Bible Man. Yep. Like my brother yeah, watched Man a lot was, of Bible Man, which like did not hold up. It's so weird. <laughs> we should save our nineties uh, Christian and... references for another episode. Should, yeah. Okay. Put them yeah. in a put them in a box. See, put them in your back pocket. Because we could episode. probably go on there for a is while. Nineties <laughs> Christian culture is, it is that's an episode own. all itself. Thing. Yes, it sure is. <laughs> and we're well, but we made it. We made it through. We did. We did. It. You know, the, the, it, it wasn't all bad. No, you know, I think it's fun to look back at pretty and well. Veggie yeah. Tales does, mm-hmm. um, especially the old, like yeah. the older Veggie Tales. Before they got favorite. irises in their eyes, and Netflix took <laughs> that, over. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's a sad story, though. So, yeah. if you want to hear a sad story, Phil Vischer's mm. got a little biography where he talks about he... losing the rights to Veggie Tales. So I have seen him speak twice, giving his story mm-hmm. of losing it, and it is so powerful. Yeah. It's, uh, he t- the way he tells it mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Yeah. Like that's a guy that's been through some yeah. stuff and then like really learned what yeah. God was trying to teach him in it. It's really yeah. cool. Well, awesome. he was the first person who I learned don't idolize your dream. Yeah. Like when he said that, I was like, oh my it's goodness, powerful. I can have these really godly dreams and put them ahead of God. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I got so many shout outs, so many things for you to yeah. listen to, listeners. There's too much stuff to put in the show notes that I may not do anything. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> Get your Googler Sorry, out. I think I rested that away from what you were listening to. Oh, I don't even know. Oh, uh, yeah. So Kirk Franklin, Kirk watching. Uh, okay, we have an hour left of Stranger Things. Okay, that we'll finish tonight. Oh man, get excited. So Slash that's yeah. scared. Prepare yourself. Hide yourself under a blanket when it gets too scary. There were a couple parts I was like, "Babe, tell me everything that happened." Because I was like this under was a blanket. Probably the scariest <laughs> it was season. Very it was intense. Scary. It's pretty dark. They do pretty good with the horror comedy. Combo. Oh, yes. <laughs> they have yeah. a good balance. But yeah. Sometimes you they time hide it under out just right. Mm-hmm. No shame if you need to hide under a blanket while you watch it. <laughs> I, I, I feel a little too. ashamed if that actually had to happen. Oh, I'd be like, <laughs> I literally just said that I did. We that. won't judge you. Oh, you, oh, you did? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Come on. Well, I guess I shouldn't judge because I haven't actually seen it yet. See? I haven't seen the end of Maybe it. Maybe you'll be hiding under a blanket. I might. You don't know yet. 
I doubt it, but we'll see. Okay. Or you're going <laughs> to finish it, there. and then you're going to make fun of me, which is also fine. I accept, uh, I'm sorry. I accept my fate. I'm sorry. <laughs> this was fun, everybody. This was yeah. great. Mm-hmm. You guys are the best. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for letting us turn the tables on you, Phil. Yeah, thanks. We, we have so awesome. appreciated you as a pastor, and it's fun to Absolutely. get to celebrate you and go into some of the nerdy stuff we don't get to hear from the pulpit. <laughs> yep. Awesome. It's thanks, guys. Great. Tune in next time, everyone.